Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello again, everybody, and thank you for joining Kim and I today on Franklin Radio, WFPR 102.9 FM. Every week we come to talk wine and all things trending in the wine world. How are you, Kim? I'm all right. How are you, Mark? Everything is good. Good. Good to talk to you again. We always love to get together and talk about wine. We always have different things to tell our listeners every week, and I think we have a few good ones again this week, Kim. First, uh, We wanted to talk about can you freeze wine? And the article was from tasteofhome.com. They said yes. And here's Mm -hmm. how. And we wanted to tell our listeners, first off, we're not talking about take your unopened bottle and put it in the freezer and freeze it. No. (laughs) That that is a recipe for disaster. Right. And we always talked in the past about temperatures and how to store the wine. This is, you have some leftover wine and the idea you, you can freeze that wine and do things with it. So right. What would you like to start with on this, Kim? Well, I mean, like this topic or idea comes up every once in a while when we talk about, I have leftover wine, what can I do with it? And I think it was a couple of months ago, we had a, an article that had all sorts of cool, funky ideas, like besides cooking with it, there was one that was like, you can tie dye a t-shirt with your leftover red wine. It's like all this stuff. But this one, you know, sort of focusing very specifically on if you're going to freeze it, what are you going to do with it? And of course, it sort of makes logical sense that if you were to freeze wine in, say, ice cube trays, then you can then bust out them by tablespoon measures and use them in your cooking, which is, I think, actually very handy to have on hand. I keep a box of wine as cooking wine in my kitchen, which, you know, once you open those up, they're good for a few months. So that is my general cooking wine. But I think the idea of having little cubes of frozen wine in your freezer that you can just pop into a recipe when you only need like maybe an eighth of a cup or a quarter cup can be pretty handy. And it's totally doable because wine will freeze because even though it has alcohol, it's also mostly water. So it is certainly going to freeze better than say another kind of alcoholic beverage that maybe has a higher alcohol percentage. And they mentioned, like you said, Kim, the ice cube tray is the the best way to do this, not in the bottle, which is a good tip. You don't want to throw your bottle in the fridge and freeze. You'll never get it out of there. And you Um, could possibly break your bottle too. Right. Or the cork will pop out. And they also were saying that keep in mind, and we talked about this in the past too, if it changes temperature so drastically, it's not going to taste the same way as when before you froze it. It, right. it will alter the taste of the wine. So the question was, what type can you freeze? And you, I mean, the answer to that is you can pretty much freeze. Anything. They'll all freeze, right? Yeah, right? they'll all which freeze. Which type do we want to freeze to use it for some sort of cooking? Yeah, I would would say you freeze whatever you would ordinarily use in cooking. And my rule of thumb for that is nothing too sweet and nothing too oaky. So generally any rosé will be fine. Sauvignon Blancs are good. Pinot Grigios are good. There's a lot of variety out there for sort of lesser oaked. It doesn't have to be completely unoaked, but just not a big California Napa Cabernet oak bomb kind of a wine. You want fruit, you want acidity. You want some decent flavors, even though those flavors will be muted after you unfreeze 
your wine. But anything that you would like to drink, you generally can cook with. So is there any advantages or disadvantages, Kim, of using a frozen ice cube of wine versus your box of wine on the counter to cook with? I think I don't think so. No. I think it's whatever you, I don't think a lot of people purchase a specific <laughs> type of wine just to keep around the house to cook with, but I cook a lot. So that's why I like to have that on hand. But I think that this could be just as convenient for people if they don't always have something there. And, you know, sometimes you start a recipe and you don't realize that you need an ingredient and you don't have it. And I think often wine will kind of fit that bill because people are often like, I don't want to open a whole bottle of wine just to you know, pour a quarter of a cup in for a reduction. So I think that this can be really handy and convenient. And you mentioned uh, types to avoid. You're saying oak. What about fortified or higher alcohol wines? Would you? That's avoid a really great those? point. Yeah, you. You. My issue with fortified wines would be often that they are sweet, but then also because their alcohol level is a little bit higher, they're going to have a harder time freezing to solid. So the lower the alcohol you have in the wine, it's actually going to make it easier to freeze. What about sparkling? Would you freeze your leftover sparkling? I mean, it's not going to retain the bubbles, but I've cooked with flat Prosecco and flat Cava and flat Champagne before. Yeah, it just ends up tasting like a white wine. I mean, not as interesting as if it had the bubbles in it. But yeah, absolutely you could. They also mentioned in the article how long was the question was how long can frozen wine be stored? And as long as it's, I don't know what they mean by airtight, I guess if the, the cube tray is exposed, they're saying three to six months, you could, you, I would think it would get a lot of freezer burn in six yeah, months. Yeah, no, but. they actually said that if you're keeping them in the ice cube tray, use them within like a week. Oh, okay, but if sense. you're going to keep them for longer than that, put them in like a Tupperware or plastic freezer bag, something like oh, that to keep the okay, air Okay, so airtight, three to air six tight. months. Yep. Cube yep. tray, not as long. Makes, and, you makes know, honestly, that's the recommendation for a lot of things in your freezer. You know, you're not supposed to keep meat for longer than three months. Frozen vegetables, I think, are under a year. So, you know, it's, it kind of follows the regular rule of thumb of how long to keep things in your freezer. And you mentioned uh, how to use it. You're saying cook. What about for sangria? Would you ever take, a, say, freezer red wine that you put in sangria and then add those ice cubes to your sangria? That's not a bad idea. I'd never consider doing that. I don't think that I would use the frozen wine as my wine base for sangria. But I think, you know, a couple of wine ice cubes to, to chill it down. Maybe not such a bad idea. It will tr throw off the balance, though. So if like if you're following a recipe that you know and that you love and you make a point of like following the instructions <laughs> and doing just the right amount of wine and the right amount, right amount of sugar and the right amount of whatever liqueur, then adding that little bit of extra wine could throw the balance off a little bit. But I mean, if you're just doing it for a backyard party, I'm not sure people's going to notice. There's been a big trend, Ken, with these icy kind of wine drinks where they mm -hmm. make like, do you think if you made it into a pop, it would be taste as good if just sucking on it like an ice pop? I don't know. I think you would have to add something else to it. Like, I don't think I what would, would just you add like sugar, you think? Like sugar and juice and maybe yeah. pureed fruit, like add other stuff to it. So it's more like a fun popsicle instead of just a pop of frozen Pinot Grigio. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not, yeah, not really no sure taste. how that would taste. Yeah. It wouldn't really I would have think it would taste. be so cold that it would deaden the flavors of the wine, which, you know, when you think about the flavors of wine, and we're talking all the time about proper serving temperature and is it too warm and is it too cold? And when we talk about a lot of white wines, if you were to drink them right out of the refrigerator cold, you know, like 40 degrees, that can be a little too cold to really get the full flavor of the wine. 
So I can imagine that if you're, you know, eating it and it's below 32 and it's a frozen grigiosicle, it's probably going to um, not give you much flavor. There was another big trend this past summer for the ice pops with seltzer. Bud Light had a seltzer ice pop and and, uh, Fisher Island had liquor, lemonade, ice pops. Yeah, there's been a lot of, I I think you're absolutely right that there, if you go into the store, you definitely see alcohol-based frozen pops for grownups. Because we need a little, they, you know, fun. Yeah, but <laughs> I wonder little, what they know, add. Like we're kids. You think they adding things to them, or they they're just frozen fresh? They never hit any air, so they they taste better. You know what I'm saying? Like a wine, if it's already open and you freeze it, it loses. But these other trendy pops, they must seal them right away. They never oh, expose, yeah. so you I get would a better so. flavor. Yeah. But I'm sure it's not just wine. I'm sure there's lots of other things in there too, fruits and stuff. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark and Kim. You can find more information about Mark on his website, franklinliquors.com, and more information about myself at vinitaswineworks.com. And as always, you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Our next article is talking about something that I think that a lot of casual wine drinkers have no idea about. And this is a little businessy when it comes to uh, wine and the business of wine, but it is the concept of bulk wine. And what is bulk wine? And what should people know about this part of the industry? Is this even something that people maybe want to know about or should know about? Can you explain to our listeners a little bit about what are we talking about when we're talking about bulk wine? I think consumers, Kim, or the average wine listener here on the show probably thinks when we say bulk, we're thinking volume, we're thinking box, we're thinking huge jug wine. Right. But in the wine trade, it's it's a totally different uh, definition of bulk wine juice or container size, Gorelick Farms big bin size, a truck size wine that's shipped and then bottled somewhere else. So the trend lately has been to for the wineries to kind of buy this bulk wine and move it around. And there's been a lot of benefits to that. When you first saw the article, Kim, which was uh, vinepair.com, did you think they were going in the direction of the, the consumer bulk or the industry bulk? I was hoping that they were going in the direction of industry bulk because this is something that, like I said, I don't think that a lot of consumers have any idea is going on. And then they start the article talking about boxes of wine, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, no, are they really not going to talk about what I think they're, they should be talking about? But no, it, you know, it goes right into this idea of shipping wine unbottled is pretty much the concept. And it covers surprisingly a really broad segment of the wine industry. You know, some that you wouldn't even think about, like a lot of wines from New Zealand are shipped here on big tankers. They're not bottled at the source and then shipped here. So it's a little more environmentally friendly because you're not shipping all that glass, but it does still have that connotation of these are big bulk producers. And so then therefore the quality of the wine might be a little less. It's way more sustainable for the environment, right? That uh, not shipping glass, the cost of the shipping, the transportation. And you mentioned, Kim, the, the pure volume. There was a stat it said in 2020, 383 million liters of bulk wine was imported into the U.S. And that was up like 60%. Huge number. It's huge. So <laughs> it's a huge number. 
And where I was really years ago where I was introduced into this was when I was looking at, you mentioned New Zealand, a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, and how you can tell if it's bulk by looking at the label, Mm -hmm. you'll see that it's grown or it'll say made in so-and-so New Zealand. And then underneath that, I'll say bottled in Napa, California. So they're picking it and growing it and picking it in New Zealand they're fermenting it and making it into wine in New Zealand. Then they put it in usually a big, huge bladder that's put on a shipping container and sent over somewhere in the United States. And then it's bottled. So they have to physically tell you where it's bottled. So you Mm -hmm. can tell if you're drinking bulk wine or not just from the label. It'll tell you that. And I think that that is a great little tidbit for people to know. And I'm teaching a how to read a wine label class in a few weeks at the wine school. And that just reminded me that I should have one of those so that I can give this information to everybody. See the difference, yeah. It's, a, it's really smart and interesting. And the other stat they gave, which was pretty high, was the U.S. has 65%, U.S. production was 65% bulk wine. Did that seem like crazy? I mean, it, and it's they exported a, by volume. So. Yeah, they gave a stat about how much bulk wine is grown in the U.S., and then exported to other countries. And I was like completely flabbergasted by that number. I'm like, wow, that's like what? I just thought it was the other (laughs) way around. Who else in the world is drinking American wine? I thought it was just us. And it was noted too that some of the most popular wines you're seeing in major retailers like Costco, Target, Trader Joe's are bulk wines that are being purchased and bottled for those specific stores to sell. So, And yet this article doesn't name any names. I get so frustrated when we read these articles and they're all just like this, you know, crazy number of wines. And yet they so never like talk about brands. The like, source where they're getting it or the brand of what the brands are that are, oh. you know, they're they're talking so much about, you know, the differences and that larger production versus smaller production and where we might be seeing them from. When but it said Trader Joe's, I, I'm a, I, I never thought Two Buck Chuck was bulk wine f- imported. I, I could see that it's bulk wine in bottle, but in the U.S., but I, I didn't even think it was imported bulk wine. Do you think there's some that are imported? Oh, I'm, I'm positive there are because there's some big brands that over the years it says California winery that it says Chilean oh yeah know, this and that so you know that in especially in the box wines they, mm-hmm. there's a lot and especially of them- in that like under ten dollars a bottle price category I would think that so many of those wines are you know would fall into this bulk category people just don't know it mm-hmm. and they also mentioned well, we, we've been saying this a lot. The top 50 U.S. wine producers make 90% of the wines being sold, the volume being sold. And most of those people deal in bulk wine, which mm-hmm. has been changing a lot. You know, there's brands like uh, Behringer over the years, you, you and Franzier, like we mentioned, they can't source enough juice in California. So they have to bring in bulk wine from these other countries right. to their wine. But this kind of goes along with that, you know, concept that you've always talked about. A brand might not be a winery and that, you know, so much of it is marketing. And if you were really to dig into it, how much would you see that it's the same juice, the same either finished wine or grape juice going from a vineyard to an industrial winery being made into wine that then just gets bottled under different labels? Like how much of it is the same? (laughs) Right. What do you feel are the pros and cons of of bulk wine? I mean, pros, I feel like it's 
moving towards making wine, I think a little bit more accessible to everybody. There's so much wine out there and it really shouldn't just be for those of us that sit around talking about the differences between, I don't know, the different villages in Chianti. <laughs> you know, right. I think that it's a beverage for everybody to enjoy in moderation if they're able to. So I think that there is a place in the market for wines that are not necessarily things that we have to think too deeply about, but that give us pleasure and that might go well with a meal or not with a meal, but a little bit of a social lubricant. And let's admit it, wine is tasty. You know, <laughs> That's why we got into drinking it in the first place. So I think that there is a place for this type of wine, whether it's just because people enjoy it or because it can be a gateway into those more specific areas, you know, the when we get kind of geeky and we talk about terroir and we talk about winemaking processes and we talk about the real nitty gritty of tasting and assessing and all that stuff that gets us up in the morning. So I think there's a place for it in the market. Well, let me ask you this, Kim, you're in a retail store, you see two New Zealand Samuel Blancs, they're exactly the same price, but you notice on the label, one is a bulk wine bottled in the US and one is made bottled and shipped over from New Zealand. Would you then think that the one that's bottled and shipped over in bottle is better quality or value in any way over the other? Not necessarily. I almost so you, feel like maybe it could be the opposite because if they're saving money on bottling over there and shipping all that heavy glass, maybe they've passed some of that savings on to the consumer and you're getting a better bottle. I don't know. And I don't think that most people know to look at flip the bottle over and see where it was bottled. That's, that's why I think this is one though. of those topics that nobody knows about. Right. No, that's I mean, even I don't though. think to you're, flip you're, over the bottle to see where it was bottled, honestly. You're thinking environmentally. Yes. They did a good job to save some of the environment so you'll support them and buy yeah, that, that they're bottle. Making a good, they're making a good decision yeah. in that case. And I think that New Zealand was really the first one that made that decision to ship in bulk, even though it might have hurt their reputation a little bit because it was so much less expensive to ship not glass. So, yes, right. it has an environmental impact, but I think that the wineries um, or the grape growers were probably thinking, wow, it's so much cheaper for us to ship it in a bladder as opposed to shipping however many those containers that weigh a whole lot because it's now full of glass and wine. It's funny how we think different stuff because when, <laughs> when I would see it, you're thinking, oh, it must be maybe it's better quality wine that they give me at a cheaper price because right. they save money. And I'm thinking, why isn't it cheaper to me if you save money shipping it over here? You know what I'm saying? If But maybe it is. Maybe if that wine had been yeah, bottled yeah, in New Zealand, it'd be a $15 bottle and not a $12 bottle. Yeah. I guess it's just how I th I'm thinking like all New Zealand Savio Blanc to me is usually all within a certain you know, <laughs> price point. It's all kind of what they call noise in the wine world where New Zealand Savio Blanc, 10 to 15 Mm -hmm. uh, you rarely see it, you know, much higher price than that. So, I mean, if I knew it was a special winery that made high-end Samuel Blanc and then they did this and they were giving me a better price, but I, I just think it's interesting how you look at it. So are you thinking that it's the quality is not harmed in any way, Kim, by taking it from the bladder, transferring it to the bottle? No, I don't think you so. You have no issue? No, nope, not at all. I, I mean, they sometimes. do it in a manner that it doesn't get any exposure to oxygen. So right. 
No, I wouldn't have we, any we issue. Hope, yeah, we, we hope. Yeah, we hope. You hope. Right. Exactly. I, I always look like it, that I want to know what they're doing with it. So it's made and put in a, a bladder in one country, shipped over who knows how long it's stored. How's it stored in the bladder? How's that affected? But the same thing could happen you know, to it bottles. at the site too. Right. It could be being kept in cold storage in New Zealand for, you know, six months before they actually bottle it. So what's the difference between that and then shipping it over in a similar sort of state? Right. And on the other hand, bulk wine that U.S. producers buy and put in their brands, I have a, a way bigger issue with because I don't know where they're even sourcing it from. You know, they're mm-hmm. telling you it's Chile or it's New Zealand. You have no idea where it's coming from. Usually when they, when they bottle over here, they usually give some sort of credit to the place it's coming from on a bottle. But in the bulk, the, the bulk in the box, you don't really right. get that to find out where. Yeah, at least, I mean, that's an easier one for, say, the New Zealand ones, because it says on the label, oh, it comes from Marlboro, it comes from Martinboro, you know, right, wherever. Right. And then exactly. it's, you know, if you know where to look to see where it's bottled, then it's pretty cut and dry. But if you're looking at domestic, it's even for something that is grown and bottled fairly close to each other, it is still hard to tell exactly where that juice or that wine came from. And, and people are probably listening and saying, well, bulk wine, this is, you know, something new. But the history of it goes way back. We heard historically how bulk wine was always shipped way back when, say, Italy used to ship it north to, to companies, uh, yeah, to countries that were dealing with disease. So they needed wine. So they would grow a ton of juice and ship it all over the world, right? I mean, it's not a new concept in the nope. wine world. I mean, it's the actually- wine bottle has only existed. A wine bottle that can travel and can be filled at the source and then shipped to the consumer in a different country is a very new technology. And I think that people don't really know that. It's only a, a couple hundred years old. So yeah. this is one of those, I think, all things old or new again. I want to bring that up about the you know, how it was in casks and they never had bottles. Mm-hmm. I had to ask you, this is kind of going off, but kind of on the subject we're on here. What was your or definition you heard of why stores were called package stores? Oh, I have no idea. That's just a I, Massachusetts thing too. I, that's what I always thought when I heard it, it was because when you bought a bottle, they put it in a package, like they wrapped it and put it in a package. And then I recently, on this kind of note, I saw something that said the real reason it was called package stores was because it came in bulk and they had to repackage it into ha, a ha. bottle. So now thinking of what you said, I'm thinking that totally makes more sense than they had put it in a brown bag. Because I'm sure back then, maybe they didn't put it in a brown bag. But Probably yeah, not. so on the note of bulk, I think that was really the definition of the package store. They, hmm. they had barrels of wine they would ship and... And I think it was going even to like England and all that is where it originally came from. But I don't know. I'm just kind of working it in there. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I've never investigated why we call them package stores. Yeah. I don't know. I should because in the package store, the liquor store business, (laughs) when we originally bought the the store, it was called Jimmy's Package Store. mm -hmm. So I would assume that that goes back. Do you think that was because you sold alcohol or the, because the store sold alcohol or for other reasons as well? I think it had to do with, with the alcohol. The alcohol. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Very you interesting. You never saw that for a clothing, you know, 
No, that's true. Yeah. Well, I was, you know, wondering because you always said that back before it was primarily a liquor store. There's other stuff too. Like you said, yeah, there's penny yeah, candy yeah. and there was all these other things. So I wonder no, if it I grew out it. of. If any of our else. listeners know, you know, the history of what they heard that is, we'd, yeah. we'd love to know your take on it. Because we can just Google it, but I'd like to hear other people's perspective on it if they have some insider information that we might not. But that's a great question for bringing up during this article about bulk, because, yeah, it is something that we think of as unusual now, but really is not so unusual. And really, uh, just a very few years ago was the norm. And now we don't think of it as that. But, you know, when you really look at what's going on behind the scenes, as a lot of things are when we talk about wine and winemaking, you know, people have often this very romantic notion of what, you know, wine is and how wine is made and how it's produced and how it's bottled, right? Right. (laughs) But this is, I think, another one of those instances where we sort of draw back the curtain on this very, very large industry and that it's not all about, you know, wandering through the vineyards and tasting wine and cellars. It's it's big business. And there are all of these kind of little things that are very businessy that go on with it that I think a lot of consumers really have no idea about. And I'm sure like us, most of our listeners have had bulk wine and probably not have known it or realized it. Now they probably think a little different of how it's coming here and mm-hmm. how it's being bottled. Thank you for listening to us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine, and please leave us your questions and comments, especially if you know the history of the word package store. You can find our past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes, and we will visit with you again next week on Franklin Public Radio. Cheers. Wine, 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 wine.